You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I want to come to you on this subject today. We win. We are living, I think, many of us from time to time that we're going to lose. Oh, but we're, we might be losing now, it seems. But we win, we win, hallelujah, we win. I read the back of the book and we win. I don't want us to leave here today living on the depressed side. Uh, you say, but everything that happens, it's, it's discouraging. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But I don't want to be looking at everything that's happening. I want to be living for what's going to happen. And one day soon, Jesus is going to say, with the trump of God and the voice of the archangel, come on up here. And we're, we're going, I think, we're going very soon. I want you to see what life is about, however, while we're here. It's struggle. It's tough. We're in 1 Samuel 17, and we'll get there in a moment, but the score was uh, 21 to 0. And a miracle of miracles, the underdog with right before the two-minute warning uh, scored a touchdown, it's 21 to 7. The two-minute warning and the coach gathered together and he heard some of the ball players said, we've lost. And the coach said, no, we're going to win this one. Coach, we have two minutes left. Yeah, but it's not over yet. We're going to win. It would take three scores to win in two minutes. They kicked off the ball. As they kicked the ball, they kicked short. So they had to run it. And while the guy was running, he thought he was going to help the team by sort of running some time off the clock. He got hit. The ball popped out, fumbled the ball up in the air, grabbed it. And the fella on the side that had 21 to 7, the 7 scored a touchdown. Minute 43 left. They're down by two scores. You're not going to win with a minute 40. But what they did, what they did, the exact same thing. They kicked it short. The fellow ran the ball. In running it, he ran some time off the clock. They snapped the first play. And you won't believe it, but of another fumble. Picked it up. They could not score, but they, they, they picked it up. One pass. Touchdown two. It's 21-21. One minute and three seconds left. They were expecting to do the same thing. A kick to the five-yard line. They kicked an onside kick. And you normally don't get those, but they got it. They set up for a field goal, kicked the field goal, and with the clock running down, they won. I feel like that sort of summarizes where we are. We're losing on every front. I mean, everywhere you look, we're losing. Yeah. I don't know how it is in your home, but a lot of families, it looks like you're losing. Everything you gave your life to has fallen apart. It's not over yet. But there's no hope. Oh, yeah, you might have some scars to carry with you the rest of the journey, but it's not over yet. Who knows what that prodigal son or that, that prodigal daughter, or who knows what, what's going to happen? I, your marriage is a man. Who knows what's going to happen? 
I don't know all the, uh, the uh, you know, Pollyanna stories where it's all going to be uh, easy down here. I don't think so. I don't know where we're winning in the world. I don't know in the, uh, with one nation of the world where we're winning. I think we're losing on every front. I think we're losing in the United States of America. We're losing politically. We're losing judi judicially. We're, we're losing with health, uh, health uh, orders from people. We're losing with legislation. We're losing from uh, the, uh, the budgets on Capitol Hill. We're losing with governors. We're losing with states. We're losing with our mayors. We're losing in our counties. We're losing in education. We're, we're just losing. But I still think we're going to win. But we're down 21 to zero. I know, I still, I, I'm smelling a victory along the way. Yes. Today I want you to see a fellow that lost constantly. You know the great Bible characters, Jeremiah lost for 42 years of his ministry. He lost everything for 42 years, preached for 42 years, no results, but he won. We're still preaching from Jeremiah. Uh, Isaiah preached for 62 years. 62 years, no results. They went into bondage. But guess what, Isaiah? He prophesied that a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, God with us. He said that 700 years before Jesus came. And guess what he came? He said, he said, um, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And you know that today people come to know Christ the Savior. There is a river. And you know that millions have come since Isaiah 53 to Jesus Christ, who was wounded for your transgression. He was bruised for your iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Whiter than snow. Yes, whiter than snow. He washed us and made us whiter than snow. Stop throwing the towel in. I saw a very sad picture, big youth meeting in America this week, and the pastor sent it to me. And by the way, nothing against the pastor, nothing against, but the youth, I saw the picture of teenagers, great picture, but everyone had their head down. There wasn't a smile on the face. And I, maybe it was a somber time, I don't think so. But you know what, you go to the bus, the bus stops, you see these kids waiting for the public school, of course you can't see the face. But they're all just, there's, there's no joy, there's no happiness. But Jesus is the joy of living. Here in chapter 17, David left the sheep and he goes to see his brothers. And Eliab, he comes to the, the front. And Eliab, verse 28, his eldest brother heard that he spake unto the man. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. He said, I know your pride and know the naughtiness of your heart. You come down to the sea with the battle. And he said, isn't there not cause? His own family, there's trouble with his family. You'd think you could have your older brothers be nice, but not in David's life. I don't know what's going on in your family. My family seems like under huge attack. Huge attack. Thank God for family. You, you people that have children in your homes, what a privilege you're given right now. It's but a season, it's such a short moment. 
Make every day count. Make every meal count. Make every family devotion Bible time count. Make every prayer count. Make every, every, every event count for eternity. Make every Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday. Make these things count in the lives of your children right now. Listen, you're married. Do it right. Love your mate. Love your family. Love your home. David's own brother, so here it is. He starts off his life. And what a sad thing, his brother's against him. Go to chapter 19. In chapter, well, let's go to 18. 18 and verse number nine. And Saul eyed David from that day forward. Saul's the king. Notice what it says in verse 11. And Saul cast a javelin at David and said, I'll smite David even to the wall. He, David had been elevated to position in, in the, 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 the king's table. But, but the Saul got so envious, the president of the country, the king, he got so envious of David. His brothers are mad at chapter number 17 and 18. And now the king, the king is mad at him and he takes a javelin and tries to kill him. You think, Brother Whitlow, what, what was going on here? My family? The king? I, I mean, I'm living, I, I, I'm an Israelite. Hebrew, and now I'm facing this. I've just been trying to do right. Uh, then I notice if you go uh, with me to chapter number 19 and verse number one. And Saul spake to Jonathan, his son, and all his servants that they should, last two words, verse one, last two words, ready? Begin, kill David. And Jonathan, the son of Saul, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, saying, my father seeketh to kill thee. When's it gonna stop? My brothers, the king, now he gets his army against me. Chapter 20, look at chapter 20, verse one. And David fled from Nioth and the Ramah, and he came and he said to him before Jonathan, what have I done? What is my iniquity? What is my sin before thy father that he seeketh my life? That is a man in despair. What in the world is going on? My brother, the king, the army. Chapter 21, verse number 10. The Bible says, and David arose and fled for fear of Saul. Now he's on the run. Chapter 24 and verse number one. Thank you for staying with me. <laughs> and it came to pass. It was told that David is in the wilderness of Gedi. And Saul took, watch it. 3,000 men. How'd you like to have 3,000 men following you? A brother, a king, the army, the javelin, and now 3,000 men are hunting him like he's some bad guy. And all he's trying to do is uh, just live for God. He was trying to be right. Uh, notice what the Bible says in chapter 25 and verse number, oh, this is so sad. Samuel died. Samuel died. Brother Bertram, I think he needed Samuel. David was a young boy. Samuel was an old prophet of God, the man of God, served at the house of God. And David, in all this, he remembered the teachings of Samuel. He remembered the instruction of Samuel. He remembered how good Samuel was. I hope you have a lot of godly people that are heroes of the faith. And I literally, from time to time, I've got all their names written down. I go through my journal almost every week and I look at all those great preachers that 
they, they were older than I am. If they're all alive, they'd almost all be a hundred or more now. Oh, I love those preachers. And their influence on my life, uh, Brother Bobby Robertson, uh, Lee Robertson, uh, Tom Malone. I thank God for the influence of Lester Roloff and the brother, brother, brother Hancock, Raymond Hancock that preached here like many of those men did. All of them did. I thank God for literally a, a long list about 30 men that are, now many more have died since I've been pastoring here, but 30 men that I, was, I could say I was very close to and influenced me, and I could ask them a question. You know, somebody on my staff said recently, they said, Pastor, you have these pastors calling you, and you talk to them. Who do you call? Who do you call? The men that I called through the years are all in heaven. This had to be a very weak moment for David. That's why I'm depending so much on these men and the men of this church and the deacons. I don't need to tell them anything. I just, I depend upon their prayers and I depend upon the people of God to pray for my wife and I in these days because a lot of those that you, I can recall the first thought I had, maybe it's selfish. When my mother died, I thought there's a prayer warrior gone. But the first thought when my dad died, I thought, there's a prayer warrior gone. One year ago, last Wednesday, when my sister died, the last post she had was Alvin Martinez singing and her brother preaching out there in the stadium outside. And, the, and, and, the, and I, one of the first thoughts I had is, now my sister Judy's gone. She prayed for me every day. I imagine it becoming overwhelming for David. The king, his brother, his family, the soldiers, now the great Samuel, oh, chapter 26, verse number two. And Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having 3,000 chosen men of Israel to seek David in the wilderness. Notice chapter 27, it finally gets to David. He finally, problem after problem after problem, it finally gets to him. David said in his heart, your heart is not this which beating your heart is one third part of your brain. It's called the heart. It's the, it's the place where all human reasoning and emotions and feelings comes from the heart. One third part of your brain. And, and David said in his heart, be careful what you put in your heart because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And we put in our mind, it's hopeless. It's hopeless. We'll never be able to have a college again, never have a Christian school again. We all have to get the shot. We all have to have the second shot, the third shot, now the fourth shot. We've got to do that. I'm not suggesting you can't do it or can do it. That's up to you. I'm going to have to lose my job. And we've had many lose their jobs because they would not take the shot. And it has to be depressing. It has to be discouraging. Uh, not just jobs, careers of a lifetime. Careers of a lifetime. There's no hope. And you begin to dwell on it. I, I, I say, well, I, I watch the news and they tell me how hopeless it is. Don't watch the news. I need to know what's going on. Why? I don't see a lot of righteousness. I hear a lot of righteousness going on. And David said in his heart, chapter 27, verse 1, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There's nothing better for me than speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. Wait a minute. 
That's 27. You know what he was doing in chapter 17? He was killing Goliath the Philistine. And now he says, there's no hope. I've got to join the Communist Party. I've got to become a socialist. Freedom's not working anymore. I've got to go back to the Philistines. He said in his heart, and here it is. It goes from the heart, from the mind to the mouth. I shall now perish. Guard. You can do your test yourself. You don't have to go for a doctor. See, I wonder if I'm a positive person. Listen to what you're saying. Just listen. Now, if you want a doctor, I have a doctor's degree in front of me. It's one of those mail order ones, probably. You know, uh, it's just an honor. I didn't earn it. But I got a doctor in front of my name. Come to me. I'll charge you $100 and I'll tell you what you're feeling. All right. That's it. Man, we'll pay off the building fast here. I said in my heart, I, I start speaking. I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. You see, what you think in your mind, you begin to speak from your mouth, which leads to an action. I shall now perish. I, nothing better than me to speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. And we, we begin to do very foolish things. I don't think I'll go to Sunday school anymore. No hope. I don't think I'll go to church anymore. No hope. I think preachers all over America were experiencing good things in our churches and singing and attendance and offerings. It's wonderful. But every, 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 every one, and to say every one is an amazing thing, Everyone is telling without fail. We've got people that as a result of this pestilence have laid out a church and I'm not talking for health reasons. They just got discouraged with it and quit and they're not coming to church anymore. Every church I know of. They just quit. The time we need God the most is in the day of adversity. And here it just goes on and on. And he tries to, so so he finally, so he tries to join the Philistines. Verse number seven. The time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was a full, full year and four months. For, for 16 months, he stayed with the enemy. A good man like David. And then chapter number 29, the Philistines reject him. We don't want him around here. And chapter number, chapter number 30, look at 30. It came to pass when David and his men were come down to Ziglag, where his families were staying, they, they invaded the south and burned it with fire. Verse 2, and they had taken the women, the captives, they slew not any, neither great nor small, but they carried them away and went on their way. So when David and his men came to the city, behold, it was burned with fire, and the wives and their sons and the daughters were taken captives. And the people lifted up their voice and wept. So from his brothers to the king, to on and on it goes to the death of Samuel, to his own discouragement. And now they get back from a battle and, and his wives, these men's wives and their sons and their daughters are, are taken captive to a foreign power. And now the city's burned down. I can't take anymore. By the way, more's coming, David. His own men spake of stoning him. I think it's about verse six. Is it six? He spoke of stoning him. God, kill him. David, how could you do this? Where does the man go? His country's betrayed him. The king has betrayed him. His people have betrayed him. His brothers betrayed him. Uh, Jalim was thrown at him. What? I, I, it, how much more can you take? Would you notice, if you will, 
chapter 31. The Bible says in verse number eight, they slain Saul and his three sons following Mount Gilboa. Ah, he's finally killed. Saul was killed. That did not rejoice David's heart because not only did he see that the king was wickedly taken out, but his dearest friend Jonathan was killed. God said nothing is going to ever again grow on Mount Gilboa. Do you know today in that region, Mount Gilboa still cannot grow anything? God promised it. Let's get to chapter 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter number 6. Now his wife turns on him. And in chapter number 6, we find that his wife began to eye David. Look at verse 16. And the ark of the Lord came to the city, and Michael, Saul's daughter, looked. And she despised David. As he danced before the Lord, she despised him in the heart. Saul, the king, gave him his, uh, David, his daughter, Michael, to be his wife because Saul said, she's going to be a snare to him. <laughs> How'd you like to think that of your own daughter? And now she sees her husband coming back from a victory and she despised him. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe it's with your marriage. Maybe it's with your kids. Maybe it's with your job. Maybe it's your health. And it just seems, I can't. I'm so tired. Maybe that's where you are. I'm just so tired of it all. Notice what happens. You get to chapter 13. His family totally collapses. And you know the story where Absalom kills his brother, half-brother, and Amon defiled his, twin, his, his sister, his uh, half-sister. And the whole family dis is disrupted. You get all the way over to 1 Kings chapter 1, the next book. Now David's old and stricken in years. You get to chapter 2 and verse 1. Now the days that drew nigh that he should die... He charged Solomon, son, I go the way to the earth. So I'm going to die. Now you walk in the statutes of the Lord. You keep his commandments, the judgments. You know, here's a guy saying, I'm dying, but you just still do right. David had in his heart to build the house of God. And God says, you cannot build the house of God. I've chosen your son. You talk about his whole, really entire life was full of disappointment. I hope. I hope you're looking at a very positive man. I, I hope you sense that I, 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 I want to live on the winning side. But you know, in these last two years, I've had moments like you. I just feel like God. I wonder if it would be better. And then I fill in the blank for you, for my wife, for my, you know, you know how we've, we've done it. You say, I haven't done that. You wait to become 95 years old like I am. I really love what you, oh, I love, I, I, I was walking to church this morning. It's cold out early this morning. I was walking and I thought, Lord, I, I love doing what I love it. And here's what I said. I got near the park. I was praying. I said, I, Lord, I love what I'm doing more today than I ever have loved it before. 
but it's all difficult. And it's no more difficult for me than it would be for you. You, you, you may have a harder road than I have, but it's all hard. And I know enough of the news that I have not watched it in over a year. I know what's going on. I see it on the headlines on my phone. And I have to still believe that I'm serving on the winning side. Songs mean so much to me now. I was singing to the Lord this morning. Well, I'm on the winning side. Curtis Hudson sang that when he was 91 pounds. He had been a flaming preacher. He had pastored the fastest growing church in America in Atlanta for several years. A large church, a large ministry, and now he's very feeble. I saw him sing it, dying of cancer, 91 pounds. And he hung on to the pulpit as he got in place, 91 pounds. I've been at his marker in Atlanta. It's a big stone, rose-colored stone, and there's a bench there, rose-colored marble stone that you sit on. And on it, he has on this side the plan of salvation, the entire scriptures from the book of Romans that shows how to get saved. And on this side, he has the song he sang when he was dying. There is a fountain filled with blood. And then that last stanza, when this poor lisping, stammering tongue lies silent in the grave. I'll sing a nobler, sweeter song. I'll sing thy power to save. I sat there one day several years ago and just looked at that. He made the song, I'm on the winning side in his last days of his life, so famous. We really didn't sing it much in our, we didn't even know it most of our churches been gone 26 years, I think. We've been singing it the last quarter of a century a lot, but prior to that, very little, if at all. Once I drifted, I can hear him sing it. We play it, Brother Moyer, on the radio. How did sin, his feeble voice, had no hope, no joy within. And my soul was burdened down with pride. Then my Savior came along. And told me I was wrong, and he placed me on the winning side. I know not what the future holds for you, dear, dear people, but don't throw in the towel. Don't quit. I was singing this morning, he's still on the throne, so what could be wrong? Just well with my soul. God knows today. God sees today, but we're down 21 to zero. I, I know that. But friend, we're not very far from going to that city. We have about 150 missionaries. Because I don't know how to use a computer, they copy the letters for me that are emailed in. Or I get some hard copy ones, and here's one this week. I read them all. This is not from a communist country. This is from one of our dearest friends, country, to the south, not Mexico, but beyond. In fact, they love America so much, they don't have a military, but they depend upon America. If there's an invasion, they would call us. And it's a regular country, a very wealthy country, a very successful country. We have missionaries there, more than one. This young missionary and his wife have been there for several years now. They wrote, and he said, I'm a upbeat man. 
But I need your prayers. I need your prayers. And he begins to talk about COVID. He goes, I try not to talk about it, but I must let our supporting churches know where I'm at with this. And he said, I'm not telling you to have the shot or not. The vaccine, that's up to you. That's not up to me. But we have young children. And he said, I, I don't want my children having that. And, and he said, I've, I've studied, I've read the side effects. And I'm not, you, you, you can figure that out yourself. I'm not telling you to or not to. But here's what he said. The president made this edict this last week. He said, your, your family, your children must have the vaccine. And as a pastor of the church, I am supposed to scan everyone that comes to our church with the code they have to carry. And they cannot enter the church if they've not had the vaccine. Wait a minute. The same is true in this country in every store. And every place you go, a hardware store, a commercial center, clothing stores, you cannot enter unless you have the mark of the code. I think we're close to Revelation 13, Revelation 14, Revelation 19, that the Bible says you cannot sell or buy without the mark of the beast on your forehand or on your forehead. What are we going to do? Soon and very soon, we're going to go see the king. And until then, everything's all right in my father's house. In my father's house. In my father's house. Don't, don't, don't. I, I don't have to fear tomorrow. God has not given me the spirit of fear. I've given myself the spirit of fear. And so as I walk at the night in my house, and I'm so nervous, and I'm so concerned, and I'm so troubled, and I'm so bothered, the Holy Spirit of God says, Jack, you don't need to fight this battle. Exodus 17, I'm going to fight it for you, son. And I'm looking back through the years, and he fights every battle. But you say, Brother Trevor, sang this song so much this week. When the things you gave your life to fell apart, you're not the first to be acquainted with sorrow, grief, and pain. But the master promised sunshine after rain. Hold on, my child. Joy comes in the morning. You know, tomorrow morning at this time, tomorrow morning, I might be strolling down Golden Avenue in heaven. I said, hey, this is awesome, isn't it? Hey, how you doing? And the rapture of the church may occur tonight. Don't buy into it, folks. Don't buy into your depression and your discouragement. Don't buy into the news. Don't say, well, what's happening in Washington, D.C.? Well, soon they're going to take a winter break. It's going to be great for a few weeks. They can't do anything. <laughs> My Bible says, Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the yes. Lord. Amen. But coach, we can't win. <laughs> I hope this is not disrespectful. Our heavenly coach said you already won. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. 
For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.